Good morning. morning. It is good to have this number out with us for our morning half of our worship service. And if you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. That was 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start reading in the 5th verse. Well, our lesson comes from the 5th verse. We're going to begin reading in the 1st verse of chapter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that those that through those you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the, the corruption that is in the world through looks uh, let's stop there in our reading right before we get into our lesson in verse 5 listen to what peter says peter makes a distinct difference between those who are lost and to those who are saved. He makes the he makes the uh, the statement of precious and great promises in verse four, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may have partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So now, the divine nature. Now we've studied nature before, have we not? We've talked about nature and as you put a child in a, in a corruptive home, that child's going to be corrupt. That's, that child's nature is going to be corrupt. You raise a child up in a, a Christian home and that child is going to be, by nature, a Christian. That's the type of lifestyle it's going to have. You put someone who used to be a, of Christian nature into a corrupt surroundings, that person's nature becomes corrupt. We've heard the term before, one bad apple destroys the whole bunch. We've heard that before, right? And one good bad apple spoils the whole. This is talking about divine nature. <clears throat> we understand divine nature. Christ had a divine nature. For he enveloped himself in God. But when he prayed for those who were with him, or when he prayed for future believers, that is you and I today in 2023, did he not make mention of him and God being one? Did he not make that mention? And he prayed for you to be one with him just as he is one with the Father. Christ's nature was divine. But we have a promise to have partakers of that divine nature. Exceeding great, exceedingly great and precious promise. And that promise is given by the Father through the Son and His sacrifice upon the cross. Now with that knowledge and with that instruction that salvation waits for you, Peter's going to go on 
and say some instruction or give some instructions for the children of God who are going to hear this word and hear this uh, hear of, of exceedingly great promises of the of divine nature. So you mean tell me I can be just a good person and, and have partakens of this divine nature? Unfortunately not. For Peter gives some instructions here. Keep in mind this was written to Christians. This was written to those of the household of faith because he says it there in verse 1, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. He's talking to Christians. So what he's saying is, just because you're a child of God does not automatically mean that you are saved. It is what he's fixing to say. Because we are aware of a, of a promise, an exceedingly great promise, and a precious promise that as you do the will of God, you're going to escape the wicked ways of the world, is exactly what Peter is saying. So as we move on into verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Well, let's stop right there in verse 7. We got, we got a lot to speak about here in these three verses, 5, 6, and 7. You know what the term diligence means when Peter says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence add to your faith and virtue and to virtue knowledge. That stops in verse 5, but he carries on in verse 6. But we're going to look at the term diligence. Giving all diligence. <laughs> the term diligence, uh, there's a poster that, I, that comes to mind when the fellow's hanging off of a cliff, he's hanging on to one hand. It's, it's kind of real close to perseverance. But diligence allowed him to go from the ground to where he was. Diligence. Letting nothing stop him. When you hear those wonderful words on Judgment Day as those who are all of like faith are going to hear and those who have all done their due diligence are going to hear, well done, dear and faithful servant. When you think about that judgment scene and hear those words coming from a righteous judge, isn't that pleasing to know? Isn't that comforting to know that that scene is there for you? There's a different scenario of that scene, and it's terrifying. It terrified you enough to come today. It terrified you enough to stay away from sin last week. It terrified you enough to draw near to God and flee from Satan, for as you draw near to Satan... That scene's going to be terrifying. Standing before a God that can destroy your soul. He has the ability. But he won't do it. He won't do it. To destroy a soul means to no longer exist, right? There is a destination for those who will draw near to Satan. Those who do not have their due diligence in their Christianity. That lake of fire, folks, has been designed for Satan and his atrocities he has done in the eyes of God. We see what Satan has done, right? We, we see this origination of sin. He's a murderer from the beginning. 
He's a creator of a lie. But when he says, you surely shall not die, was that not a lie? My friend Larry, he would say, that's an untruth. That was definitely untruth because what happened to mankind? They died due to sin. And sin brings forth death. For the wages of sin is death, is it not? So when we think about diligence, giving all diligence, we see this something that's not going to come, anything's going to come between you and God. You're going to faithfully serve Him from that moment, that moment you rose from that watery grave, leaving that dead sinful person under the water, and you was raised up a Christian, a child of God. From that moment forth, you made a dedication to yourself. You made a dedication or a promise to God. I'm going to serve you to the best of my ability. All diligence. Things are going to want to come in between us and God. I say us. I'm included. There's obstacles in our life. We made an example this morning of a big rock trying to, get, trying to dig a hole, right? We, we made that example. Out there using those post hole diggers and you hit that rock and you can't go any further until you get that rock out of the way. So when we look at our spiritual lives, is there a rock in our way? Is there something that's coming between us and our faithful service, our faithful due diligence and our all diligence in the service of God? Because we're going to learn some words here and our steps that we're supposed to take as a child of God. But also for this very reason. Which reason? Know that there's a promise of everlasting life. A promise of divine nature. A promise of being able to escape corruption that is in the world. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. What type of person are we out there in the world? Well, if we have Christ as our example and He is our, our model, if you will, and who we are to behave like, you are, well, you have, you have virtue. And I'm not saying the world needs to look at us as an, example, and as, as an example. No, they need to look at Christ as an example. But they see us walking around in the world, do they not? They see us wearing the name Christ in the world. Who should we look like? Christ. So when the world sees God or Christ abiding in us, which same thing by the way, they can know how to behave themselves. When we're disapproved of things that folks say, when we're disapproved of the way that one, one treats one another, we, we speak up against that act. We're showing folks who Christ looks like. That's virtuous. Add to your faith. Well, first off, let's look at faith. What led you to God? What led you to believe that His Word was the ultimate truth and the pathway to your salvation? Did it have anything to do with faith? It had everything to do with faith. Do you trust that God will save you on Judgment Day? That has everything to do with faith. So with you believing that God is the ultimate authority in your life, you're going to add to that knowledge, you're going to add to that deep-hearted feeling that I am a Christian. I am a child of God. Not on my own authority, but God's Word's authority. I'm not using myself as an example. I'm not using my own, uh, my own wisdom, but godly wisdom. We can do that for ourselves every single day. We need to do that in our everyday walk of life. Measure ourselves up. 
because we find ourselves lacking that that rock needs to be removed that we just made reference to. Add to your faith virtue. Be the person who you are supposed to be. And as you are adding to that person who you're, you're supposed to be, you got to add some knowledge to your faith and your person who you are in the world. Because folks are going to ask you a question. They're going to ask, ask you multiple questions. You may not have the answer right away, but you can go find it. But sometimes you're able to answer that question on site. And that, of course, comes with knowledge. So as you have faith that God is going to save you, changing your life, you're no longer partakings of the world. You've escaped that wicked nature. Now you have been promised a godly nature, or a divine nature in verse 4. You no longer want to participate in the world. Have nothing to do with sin because you have died to it. So now with that knowledge comes from your studies. To know that God would have you to do certain things. We need to find those things out. For that's Folks, that's how we show ourselves approved of God in the first place. By our studies. Have our studies fainted? I hope not. I hope we're adding to our virtue, the type of person we are as a child of God. I hope folks look at us and see Christ abiding in us. But when they come up with that question, you might say, well, here's your answer. And here's your book, chapter, and verse answer. I don't have it right now, but let's go to the Word and let's find that answer. So as you continue to study, as you continue to gain knowledge, and that's very important in our scriptures, in our scripturally following day-by-day act as a child of God, is your knowledge. I hope we realize this. But how can we understand how to be a child of God without instructions? It's impossible. Our instructions are laid before us. We find out those instructions by diving into the Word and studying it. And as we study, we're going to get that knowledge. And as we obtain that knowledge, as we have that faith that that drives us in our everyday walk of life to know that I want to be saved on Judgment Day, I'm going to change from my sinful ways, and I'm going to start to learn to what God would have me to do. And the next one is self-control. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. So as you add to your faith, as you add to your virtue, and as you add to yourself, excuse me, as you add to your knowledge, you're going to take that knowledge and say, well, I'm not going to do these things anymore. I'm going to start to do these things now. The scriptures tell us, God's instructions tell us that we have to remain faithful unto death, has it not? As we remain faithful unto death, what's promised? The crown of life. Revelation 2.10. Aren't we thankful that that's, that exists? A crown of life? Now I know I've made reference to that before. When I, when I say crown of life, that crown of life that's waiting for us in the next life. Not the here and now. Thank goodness it's not the here and now. It's the after. 
as we go on to our reward, as we have added to our faith, as we've added to our virtue and then to our knowledge and now into our self-control to say, I'm not going to follow the world anymore. I'm going to follow God. We're going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant on judgment day. And that judgment scene that departs those who are faithful and those who are unfaithful, one to everlasting life. And that's what Revelation 2.10 speaks of. Everlasting life is in the presence of God, the Father, who never, no one has actually ever laid eyes on, by the way, except Jesus. He's, he's different. He's set apart. To be in the presence of the Father for, for eternity. I know our minds can't fathom time, or the absence of time, because we base everything here on this earth on time. But the self-control is one of those difficult ones. As I made many, uh, many references to a new Christian, even as a seasoned Christian, we have those bad habits. We struggle with those, and that's the point. That's the point I want to get across at this point in the lesson. To struggle with your sins is important. Not to say, well, it'll be okay. Uh, no, it will not be okay. Because again, the wages of sin is death, is it not? And any sin that we sin is any sin. Because sin is sin. That's how God sees it. Us as mankind, we put the degree of it on there. I know I told her the cooking was good and it was horrible, but I didn't want to hurt her feelings. That is a lie. That is an untruth. And that is a sinful thing in God's eyes. And it will condemn you if it's unrepented of. Thankfully, we have an opportunity, that is, to repent of our sins and have them be forgiven as we have that light faith, that precious light faith that Peter's talking about in, in chapter 1 and verse 1. But now we're down here in verse 6 again. Adding to our faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, and then self-control, perseverance. Those bad habits are going to arise. You may have been a Christian for 20 years. Those bad habits are going to arise. We need to tell Satan, I don't want to do those things. I don't want to be separated from my God. I want to flee from you. I'm going to take control of my inhibitions. Inhibitions, that is, to not be able to do the things that I'm supposed to do. My inabilities. To follow God. I'm going to take control of that. I see where that leads me. So as we've added to ourselves for these things and self-control and now perseverance. Because I don't want to stand before my Father having missed salvation. I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. That's why you're here this morning worshiping our Heavenly Father. To be able to stand before him justified. Folks, that is such a wonderful term. That is such a wonderful term. The majority of us does not grasp it. That is people. The majority of us does not grasp the idea of justification. And what it cost. The Father, the Son, and part of the Holy Spirit. For us to have an opportunity of salvation. For in Christ abode all three. That is past tense. So as we've added to perseverance to say, I want to 
stand before God justified. So therefore, if I'm going to stand before God justified, who am I going to look like? You're going to look like Christ. You're going to, if you do these things so far. Was Christ not a godly person? He was righteous in all shape, form, and fashion. He left this earth without being disobedient to his Father. Think about that. Think about how difficult that was. Think about the, hey, say, the things of this world. Yeah, Satan makes them look appealing. He makes them look pleasing. But, God, but Christ in God said, you know what? These things are not worth mankind losing their salvation. Folks, he done that for us. He done it so we don't have to. That sacrifice was paid on that cross for our sins to be remitted so as we can be a godly person. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. Can the world see God abiding in us? I seriously hope so. Because as the world recognizes we're different, we're holy, that is, to be set apart, some's going to be intrigued. Why is so-and-so that way? Because we're not, we're not boasting in ourselves, we're boasting in the Word. That is to say that we have salvation waiting for us. That's not saying that we're better than anybody, by no means not. We have the ability to sin just as much as anybody else does. Just as much as Christ did, but Christ was able to overcome. You and I cannot. Thankfully, we have that sacrifice to be able to be godly people. And in verse 7, to godliness, brotherly kindness. When is the last time you was kind towards someone? Was it yesterday? Was it the day before? Was it the week before? Has it been a month since you've been kind to someone? Kindness repays. The reason why I say that. Do you remember the parable of the servant who was unable to pay that back to the king and the king, was he forgave that debt. He forgave it. He no longer owed the king a dime. But then he was unwilling to be kind to his fellow servants. Y'all remember that parable? Well, the ending of that parable was, well, that servant, well, that's, the king heard that servant was being unkind to his fellow servants, and he threw him to the torturers. That was the outcome of that person who couldn't be kind. So our kindness repays. As we are kind to our brothers, as we're kind to our sisters, as we're kind to our fellow man, as much as this is possible, we're, we're supposed to be live peaceably with folks, are we not? As much as it is possible. I, know, I understand that, and even God understands that. We're not going to be able to get along with everybody. But we have to try. We've been called to be peacemakers. But as we're kind toward one another, because we look at what the Father has done for us. Was he not kind toward us in sending his son? Was he not kind to us? 
So we added that kindness, but we got to step it up a notch. Not only kindness, but brotherly love. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. You might say, well, wait a minute. There's some folks out there who we can't love. Yes, it is. You can most assuredly love them. For as Christ loved us, also must we love one another. In your previous life, I can remember myself doing this, and I, I'm very shameful at thinking of that now, but thankfully I'm forgiven of those things. I wish harm for one another. I wish harm for others. I remember that. I, I remember thinking that way. How about today? How do we feel about folks who do, who do evil unto us? Now, when I say evil, they speak about us, they, they talk down at us, they try to pull us away from God. All these evil things in the eyes of God, we need to consider them evil. All these folks who do evil according to us, how do we feel according to them? You want to get back at them? We don't have that authority. It's not our, it's not our job. Because vengeance, who does that belong to, folks? That belongs to God. Our enemies, right? How do we love our enemies, folks? Being a child of God is difficult. It's supposed to be difficult. Whenever we are a child of God, we have someone against us. We have to love them enough to say, I wish you turn from your ways. I pray for you. Because in doing so, when we help out our enemies, when our enemies are hungry and thirsty, when we give them food or give them drink, guess what we do? We keep cold fire upon their head. We show them what they're, why they're wrong. We show them that the, the kindness that Christ had for those individuals who were doing harm unto him. Do we or not? It's all these things we have to do. Just because that promise is there, that exceedingly great and precious promise, that divine nature is ready to be accepted of in our everyday walk of life. But just calling yourself a child of God is not enough. Just having faith is, is not enough. Loving one another is not enough. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. At the end of this lesson, I want to ask something. Have we missed some steps? Are we lagging any steps? We're here to help you. We're here to get the one. We're here to get to this life with one another. We're not here to leave anybody behind. If you are struggling with any one thing, ask us, and we'll help you the best of our ability. We will get you some spiritual help because we want to see you standing before God justified. But are you refusing a step? Let these instructions be clear unto you. As we miss a step. As we fail to take another step, we are not godly people. We're not. How can we be godly people if we refuse to be following the instructions from our Father? I never, I never said Christianity is easy. I never will. It's supposed to be difficult. Because of the ways of the world are following the prince of the power of the air. In whom we once walked according to that power but today no more. But unfortunately, that option to walk with Him again, we may have lost our perseverance. We, have may, we may have lost our dedication. We may have failed to add to any of these things. Let us continue to move forward toward God. 
to stand before him just as his son does at his right hand. This morning you may have taken that short walk with Satan to be disobedient and separate yourself from your father. Let this be an opportunity to get right in the eyes of God, to come back to him and to be whole yet once again. You may have yet to enter into his son. You may have yet to put his son on in baptism to be immersed for the remission of sins. Let that happen. Lord, why wait? Why hesitate? Don't wait another second to become a child of God. Washing your sins away and starting your spiritual walk to add to all these things, working your way to heaven. Does that need to happen this morning? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?